Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yes, indeed. Good Saturday morning to you. Lawn and Garden Talk straight ahead here. And thanks to the help we're going to get, you are going to receive from Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. Julie, good morning. It's uh, November 7th, but can you believe the temp? It's 60 already. I know she's there. It is warm and beautiful outside. Warm up at Perkins oh, with what? our new pot oh, roast specials on. featuring our mouth-watering. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing like live radio, I say. That's right. That's right. It really is live. Well, Julie, you sound a little far away. I do. Okay. How's that? A little bit better? Well, yeah. Even closer. <laughs> Even closer to the mic? <laughs> Please. That would help, I think. Anyway, uh, right. Julie has helped us out, you and your colleagues, for so many years, and the people love it. We're already getting uh, text messages uh, already. Not, by the way, if you do have any kind of a lawn or garden question, uh, you want to call it in or text it in, same number, 651-989-9226, 651-989-9226. I know we're having some issues with the streaming I can say that up front, but those that are yeah. listening to us now are not on streaming. They're that's right. They're on are on a broadcast. So we, we welcome. Are live. Don't, <laughs> we uh, we always tend to get busy when we talk lawns and gardens, and uh, today's going to be no exception. So don't wait. If you do have a question, uh, call it in or text it in, and we will uh, get you some help from uh, Julie from the U of M. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking, and every time I look at that forecast, which we do a lot here on CCO, yeah. uh, I want to do some dormant seeding. I want to get. I thought I had cleared the leaves off, but of course, lately we've had some windy weather, and they've all come right. back again. Right. Uh, and I, I'm not sure. I don't. I know you don't have to have a pristine lawn to uh, to you know head into the winter. But what, what's the what's your definition of? Yeah, I can leave those leaves <laughs> on. Uh, how what what can we help? Because it's going to be windy the next three days. It is going to be windy, and I think right now um, I would probably hold off a little bit on the dormant seeding because it's a it's going to be seventies today. I think, right, Jenny? Seventy three okay. today and yeah. tomorrow. A little too warm, perhaps. However, uh, we are going to drop in the bucket, I guess, starting Monday. Sounds like we got some wet weather coming, and maybe some other uh, uh, you know colder temperatures coming too. So uh, just kind of maybe hold off till next weekend or so. We want to be sure that the temperatures are cold enough that those seeds are not going to germinate. And, and I think if Maggie were on, she would say, just wait till next weekend. But you want to give one more mow to your lawn before you do that, because it's important to have good seed to soil contact. In other words, you can throw seeds down, but if you've got long grass or leaves and they sit on top of that, they're not going to contact the soil and they're not going to germinate next year. So 
you want to do a couple steps. You want to mow first, and you can drop your mower down. Usually we tell people mowing at three inches is where you should be, but at this last mow of the season, before you dormant seed, you want to cut down low, down to around two inches. Mm. And then you want to do your seeding. And that should take care of any leaves. I mean, if you have a lot of leaves on your lawn, you want to rake them up. But if you just have a few here and there, it should mulch them up just fine. Okay. So uh, so mowing down at about two inches and then doing your dormant seeding. And I kind of, I hold off till next weekend. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Again, we're, we're by Monday afternoon, late afternoon, we'll be dropping our temperature. Right. So we'll be back into the 30s, et cetera. So, all right, uh, 651-989-9226. A texter wants to know, Julie, can you split iris now? Can you trim peonies? And we just uh, addressed dormant seeding. So uh, sure. what about splitting iris and trimming, trimming peonies? So iris should be divided around July after they have bloomed. That's the... Uh, that's the uh, good timing for that. And, uh, and then I think that uh, peonies, you can cut peonies down now. So that's fine. You can do that. Um, but you don't want to be moving peonies. You want to move those around August or so. So you can cut your peonies down. But I'd hold off dividing your iris till after they bloom next year. Okay. I'll tell you what, let's do this. I know we have callers coming in, too, as well. Let's take a break right here, Julie, and when we come back, we'll grab some calls and more text messages. This is our Smart Garden Show on News Talk 830WCC. Call us or text us, 651-989-9226. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show here on CCO every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour, welcoming your lawn and garden questions every Saturday. Uh, and Julie Weisenhorn is with us today from the U of M. Julie, as usual, callers and texters to keep you busy. All right. All right let's go to uh, Ham Lake. I think Tom has been waiting there to ask you a question. Tom, what is your question for Julie? Good morning. I, we have uh, 12 honeysuckle plants we planted last fall that were two and a half, three feet tall. Now they have shoots, each of them about eight to 12 shoots in each plant that are like three feet tall. We want those plants to just grow in a natural shape. They're not in a row or anything. But I was wondering, should I trim any of those shoots to help fill in or just leave them? Uh, I think the best thing to do with the honey is I would go ahead and prune those probably. Um, boy, that's a, that is, I have never had this question before. <laughs> I have to admit, Dom. Um, they are uh, summer blooming, so I think you could go ahead and trim those anytime after they go dormant, uh, meaning that, um, you know, anytime in the next couple of weeks or so, maybe later into the winter. Sometimes it's easier to see the, the strange branches that you need to remove or get it into a better form. And, uh, and so I think you could prune those anytime coming up in the next few months, you know, over the winter. And then there'll be spring, there'll be a summer blooming plant. So they will set flower and bloom on uh, probably newer wood. That's okay. a great question. I'm going to have to look that one up myself. Right. I'm kind of working it out in my head, so I think that I think that would work. Do some homework, okay? I'm going to do some homework. I got a note here. <laughs> let's uh, let's get Patty uh, from uh, Oak Grove on the line here to find out what uh, she wants to ask. Patty, thank you for waiting. What's your question for Julie? Good morning. Say, I have a couple bags of fall fertilizer left. Um, would it be beneficial to put that on my lawn now, or should I just hold off? That is something that uh, you want to put on your lawn in the spring, or you want to hold off on that. Right now, it's um, a little bit late in the season to be doing fertilization. 
and because the lawn is going to start to go dormant. So uh, you can do the seeding, as we mentioned earlier in the show, but you want to hold up and you want to do a spring, uh, a spring fertilization in the, when temperatures warm up and the lawn is growing again actively. If you, if you fertilize plants when they're going into dormancy, you push them into growing unnaturally, and that can be stressful on them, and it might just cause some more problems down the line for you. So I just stash that away, and then next fall, I would go ahead and do that probably earlier in the season, like around okay. early October. Good question. Thank you. All Good right. question. Texter says this, Julie. I recently saw an article that the burning bush has been recommended to get out of your yard. It is apparently bad for the environment. Can you comment on this? I sure can. <laughs> uh, so the burning bush or euonymus uh, alatus, winged euonymus is another name that we go by, has been found uh, seeding in natural areas, so woodland areas primarily. And um, that is not where it's supposed to be growing. So it is currently um, on the noxious weed list. It, uh, it is going to be phased out, most likely out of uh, uh, sales in our retail environment. And um, it's unfortunate because it's a very beloved long-time plant, but we can't have these uh, garden plants, these landscape plants, seeding into woodland areas where they take over from uh, native plants and more desirable plants. We find the same thing with barberries. There are about 25 um, uh, cultivars of barberries that seed heavily. And so those are also found in naturalized areas. So those plants have been taken off of the for sale list, off the market. Um, there are other barberries available and you will find uh, some alternatives for the euonymus on our extension uh, website under plant selection. So there are a number of really good fall color, um, interesting, beautiful plants that can replace those euonymus. And so we have, under our plant selection, we have a plant selection database that you can find alternatives for the euonymus. Good. What is that website, Julie? It is extension.umn.edu. And if you want to find out more about the euonymus, you can go to the Minnesota Department of Agriculture site. Okay. Back to the phones we go. Miller's calling in from Golden Valley. Miller, you are on with Julie. Good morning. I have two questions. The first one, you just talked about a gentleman with his honeysuckle about pruning them. Um, I have mock orange. Can I prune that now, or should I wait, like you said, uh, uh, for maybe a month or so away, all the greens are gone. And my second one is about garlic. You know, uh, we planted our garlic when it was so cold, uh, what, a week and a week and a half ago? And of course, we uh, mulched it good. And uh, I'm just wondering if I'm going to have a problem with all this hot weather we just had uh, lately. Okay, so first let's talk about the mock orange is a spring blooming plant. And that is something that uh, you would want to prune that after it blooms. Uh, it sets buds within a few weeks after blooming for the following year. And then, uh, and then as far as the, well, let's see, what was the second question again? Benny, do you remember? About, about garlic and the warm garlic. weather. Okay. Your garlic will be fine. Um, you've mulched it. We're going to drop into the temperatures now, you know, lower temperatures, and then it, it'll be just fine. So I wouldn't worry too much about that. So. Oh, good. Um, but that mock orange is a beautiful shrub. Boy, it sure smells good, but you want to then prune it right after it blooms. Okay. Thank you, Miller. Jim is calling in this morning, I believe, from Bell Plain to ask Julie a question. Uh, thank you, Jim. What is your question for Julie? 
Yeah, my question is, I have a uh, alpine current hedge that's about 30 years old, and it's starting to show its age, so I'm wondering if I need to rejuvenate it by replanting it next spring. You can actually rejuvenate it by by pruning it. And we have a number of different, two different options. I think for the alpine uh, hedge, you would want to do a, um, a complete, uh, like trim it completely down uh, to about a foot tall or so. Um, doesn't have to be that low. I'm not sure it's a tall hedge, it sounds like, but you might want to take about a third of it off or so. And then you could eliminate some of the really big trunky um, stems that you have to make room for more younger and uh, kind of brighter green stems. So uh, in our, on our website, we have um, a, uh, some information on pruning trees and shrubs. And it's got a couple of really good diagrams that you can use and some good explanations. So that would be, I'd recommend that you take a look at that and, uh, and see what uh, you can do renewal pruning or re rejuvenation pruning. So rejuvenation pruning would be what you're looking for for those older, overgrown shrubs. Okay. Thank you, Jim. Texter wants to know, Julie, can I root and plant willow tree branches? If so, how? Uh, stick them in the ground. <laughs> That's about <laughs> all there is. Willows tend to really produce uh, roots easily from cuttings. And so do dogwood, too. So like red twig dogwood, yellow twig dogwood. So you can take a cutting of those and uh, push them into the ground. Maybe if you want to extend your willow hedge or if you want to... Um, you want to put it someplace else, you want to add it to your landscape, you can take cuttings and you can root, root those by just putting them in the ground. And I would do that uh, either in the spring when they're actively growing, wait until spring, or you could do it now and see if you can get any to root uh, so that they, they'll start rooting in the spring. They're probably not going to root in the fall at this point. Okay. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Phyllis is calling in from Stillwater this morning to ask you a question. Good morning, Phyllis. What is your question? Good morning. I have two plants, a succulent and a violet, and they both need repotting. Do, do I need special soil for them? Uh, yes, that is a good question, Phyllis. Uh, your succulent, I would buy a cactus mix. It's a sandier, lighter mix. And uh, succulents, even though they're nice and beefy little leaves, they actually like to be quite dry, which you probably found out. And your African violet, there is African violet potting mix that you would use for that. It's, all, it's specially formulated for African violets. We do have an excellent uh, web, web page on African violets, too, if you want to take a look at, at that. That's on our extension site under our house plant section. Okay. Uh, line is open, 651-989-9226. That's the same number for your text question for Julie. And here's one. I started uh, a, a lupine in the house, texter says. Put it out in the garden. Should I cover it with leaves and burlap, and will it come back next spring? You are not going to need burlap for a lupin. They're, a, they're an herbaceous plant. It will die down to the ground. Uh, if it comes back next spring, yay. Uh, I can't predict whether it will or not, but uh, they are outdoor plants. They do well in our uh, environment. They do like well-drained soil, so uh, make sure you're not putting it into any heavy clay or that you at least amend that soil before you plant it outside. Maybe you've already planted it outside, it sounds like, but you can amend it by adding in, by working in some compost around your plant. Okay. 
I tell you what, uh, we have a bunch of uh, text messages I want to get across, too. So let's do this. Let's take our bottom of the hour break. We have uh, to look at the uh, forecast. going to be warm today and tomorrow, and then things will change. You stay with us. We'll get you that forecast and more uh, Lawn and Garden Talk on our Smart Garden Show with Julie Weisenhorn from the U of M here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny along here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota helping you out today. Talking lawns and gardens by phone and by text, and we have both, Julie. So All let's, right. uh, let's get back to it. I think Mark is calling in from South St. Paul this morning on the phone. Go ahead, Mark. Thanks for waiting. Uh, wondering about uh, composting, what we can do, any difference for that, uh, something like that, or depending on what type of composting system, a simple stack type, uh, the drums and such like that. Uh, I wish there were one thing you could answer. How to get red maple to drop all the leaves before the snow falls? <laughs> I have two of them in the front yard, and they're notorious for dropping a few leaves before, but once the snow falls, then they drop. Oh, yeah, I know. Thank you. Uh, so they are never, uh, never, those trees are never timing things exactly right. We, had, uh, we have a huge sugar maple that grows up through our deck at our house. And we had so many leaves, it was unbelievable. And we thought we got them all. And then that really windy period came and, and blew a whole bunch more off. And I see that there's still some more out there. So, uh, yep, that's, that's, uh, trees have a mind of their own, so to speak. Um, but the question about composting is a good one. And you can do a number of different things with compost. You can, depending on the size of your property, you can have a simple compost pile that's, uh, you know, a ring of chicken wire, for example, or hardware cloth that you just dump your refuse in and turn it with a garden fork. You can buy a composting system. Uh, there are some that are very inexpensive, like they're just you know, plastic and they have a plastic locking lid. A locking lid is really important because if you have any critters around like raccoons, like I do, you wanna lock those things down because you're dumping your kitchen waste out there, your, your fruit and vegetable cuttings, and boy, they would love to dine on those. So make sure you have a locking lid on some uh, somehow on that uh, plastic container. You can do a barrel. Uh, there are barrel systems. You can build them. You can buy them. Uh, and those are okay. But I would uh, just caution you that you can't fill a barrel up completely. You need room for the stuff to move around. And it can get very, very heavy. There are some barrels that you roll on your lawn uh, to move and turn your compost. That's the objective of that. But they can get pretty heavy. So you just want to... Think about how you're going to uh, manage that compost bin. We have a great web page in our soil section on the extension yard and garden page about composting. Uh, and I would recommend you take a look at that, too. I might give you some other ideas. I know we addressed this topic in the first uh, half hour of the show, Julie, but maybe somebody joined us late. It says, good morning. Texter does. Uh, we have a ton of leaves and a pretty big yard, and my wife thinks if I just mow them with the riding lawnmower, it'll be just fine. I still think... I would need to rake as well. I don't think it will mulch everything. Any advice? Well, for those that missed it, what would you say in that particular instance? Yeah, I would say that that uh, both of you are right. Both of you are perhaps not quite right. Uh, one of them is, yes, you can mow leaves and mulch them onto your lawn. But if you have a lot of leaves, like this uh, texture mentioned, you may have to rake them as well. You, can, you don't have to do a perfect cleaning, you know, complete raking. You can rake up the massive amounts of leaves, and you can either put them on your garden, you can take them to your compost, your local compost site, uh, or you can use them for um, uh, mulch next year if you can tuck them away somewhere on your property. 
and mulch with them next year. So you have a couple different choices there. But if you have a lot of leaves, it's going to be really hard to mow them over and over uh, to get them chopped up well and not completely cover your lawn. You want to get those leaves off of your lawn so that your lawn will grow well in the spring. If you leave packs of leaves on your grass, it will eventually cause the grass to not grow well. It's not going to get any light. You could also have an increase in, in molds or, uh, you know, bacterial issue, too. All right. Tis the weekend, it looks like, for that. You know, again, yeah, a windy one. a great one, weekend, yeah. All those yeah. things that you've been kind of saying, geez, I didn't get to that. This is a good weekend to do it. You, you, you'll remove the leaves today, and the wind will bring them back tomorrow. So that's, <laughs> yeah. that's going to happen. Well, um, they might. <laughs> yeah, you never know which direction. You never but, know. <laughs> Julie, let's go back to the phones. I think Phyllis is calling in from New Richmond uh, this morning to ask you a question. Thanks for waiting, Phyllis. What is your question? Uh, yes, I was just wondering. I have a plant called red turtle head, and I don't know when to prune it back or how to separate it. Okay, so I think if a turtle head is an herbaceous plant, it is uh, a very uh, a wonderful pollinator plant. I have a pink one called Hot Lips in my garden, and I just added two more of those this year. So it's a great plant. It blooms later in the season, which is wonderful for our later season pollinators. You do not have to uh, uh, prune it, really. You can cut it back. Uh, it's herbaceous, and you, can, uh, and, and you can divide it, but I would divide it in the spring. Because at that point, the plant is smaller, it's much easier to handle, and you can then determine where you want to move it around. And the rest of your garden will have, you know, be died down as well, so you have a little bit better view of your garden. So I would, you can cut it down now, uh, or, you know, this winter, and, uh, or in the spring, either one, it's your choice. And then I would divide it in the spring. Okay, very good. Thank you for the call, Phyllis. Texter says, can I safely trim back my hydrangea tree and small hydrangea bushes, and how far back should I trim them? Well, I would encourage you to wait till spring to do that, and here's why. When we prune shrubs, uh, every time you make a cut, it uh, prompts a plant to grow new growth at that point. And we are getting, of course, into the dormant season for our plants. We want our plants to just gradually go dormant over the winter. And they, there's a number of physiological things that plants do that help protect them through the winter. So when we start making cuts, it's just not a, this is not a good time to do that. So what I would recommend is uh, waiting until spring and then, uh, then pruning back to uh, a nice uh, fat bud in your plant on your stems and prune those back at that point. And then you can shake the plant too. Uh, one advantage too to not pruning hydrangeas, you get all that great winter interest from these plants, from their blossoms. And so I would just hold off and do it in the spring. Okay. Uh, listener wants to know, one of my 15-year-old Black Hills spruce trees has browning on its needles. Most of it's on the underside of the branches. What's your read on that? Well, that could be a needle cast disease. We've had a number of those uh, cropping up this year, and uh, there's good information. I'm going to send you to our website for that. You may want to send a sample into our plant disease clinic on the St. Paul campus. And they have a website, pdc at umn.edu, I'm sorry, .umn.edu. And just go to that website, and it will explain how to send a sample in. And, and, you know, when you have issues on major trees, you either want to call in a certified arborist, and we have many good arborists in Minnesota, and have them come and take a look at it, or you want to send a sample in because you don't want to lose that plant. There may be nothing to do about it, 
uh, but there might be something that you can do about it. All right. Back to the phones we go. North St. Paul is our next stop. Jim is there with a question. Jim, thank you. What is your question for Julie? Yes. Um, is it is now a good time to cut back my clematis, or do I wait till spring for that? So some clematis come back from the ground, and some clematis grow on, on old wood. In other words, the, the branching that was established this year. So you want to know which one that is. And you, you probably do because you see it come back every year. Uh, if, it, if it comes back from the ground, like I have one that, the, that comes, grows back from the base of the plant, it doesn't leaf out on any of the old branches, you can cut that down now. If it's one that grows on old branches that produces uh, buds and leaves on old branches, then you want to leave that up and just do a little bit of light pruning in the spring just to shape the plants. It might be kind of all over the place. Um, but that's, that's what you have to determine with the clematis. Okay. Listener wants to know uh, your opinion. Do you think any comp- are there any companies that spray apple trees? Oh, I'm sure there is. I, Must I be. don't know. Of, yeah, I don't know of any off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, there's. I'm sure there's uh, tree care companies that can do spraying for you. Yeah, just check around, I guess. Huh? Do your... Yeah, just check around. If you know somebody who has a company and they're happy with them, that's always a great. Yeah. Uh, you know, word of mouth is a great way to find a good landscaping company. Tree care. Uh, there was a texture that says, I planted green onions from seed this year. They're too small to eat. Can I harvest them, store them somehow, and replant them next year? Whoa. <laughs> I don't know about that. That is, that is something. Uh, I don't, I'm not really sure that they, would, that they would make it because there's a lot of green tissue on those plants, and I think they would probably just mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if you stored them, you know, just like if you buy green onions and you store them, um, and even I don't even think you want to dig them up and grow them as a house plant for six months. You know, I don't think that would even work very well. They need a lot of sun and heat. And so uh, I guess I would just chalk it up to a learning experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, even if you dig them up and, and you can still, you know, get something out of them, that would be great. But I would start next year. You can buy, uh, you can start seeds early next year, like in March or February and then transplant them out. I would I would go that route. All right, very good. Let's go back to the phones, Julie. Ken is calling in from uh, Blaine this morning. Ken, you're on CCO with Julie. Uh, good morning. Uh, I have a question. I have a uh, large uh, leaf pile that I use. I just uh, I have like two and a half acres of land, and, and uh, so I have a leaf pile that I've been actually taking uh, leaves, which are primarily oak leaves, and piling them up on this this leaf pile for about 30 years. And uh, one of the things is the deer, like uh, in the wintertime, they'll they'll rest in the leaf pile. But uh, the question I have is, uh, I was looking at uh, kind of digging into this leaf pile, and it looked like the soil was really rich looking. Now, is is, uh, oak leaf, is that a a good... uh, compost to uh, use in the garden and stuff? Yeah, I am jealous. I would love a 30-year-old leaf pile in my yard. (laughs) That is some good compost. And yes, oak leaves are perfectly fine to use in your garden. Uh, Some uh, some people will say that they acidify soil, but I don't think that if they're broken down this much that it would matter very much. So Yes, it would be great compost, and and you can use that as a mulch instead of a wood mulch. So anywhere 
Uh, you can use it in your garden. You can put work it into soil if you're if you're doing a vegetable garden next year or containers. You can work a little bit of that, and that is terrific. So way to go, thirty Good. year old leaf pile. Yes, wow. I'm envious. Thank you, Ken. Uh, let's uh, yeah, we have time for uh, Harold's call. Let's go to Harold calling in from Roseville this morning. Uh, what's your question, Harold? Um, can you hear me? You bet. Yes. Uh, I have a winged eunonymus, seven or eight years old, about seven or eight feet tall, that last year was just beautiful. This spring, it started out, it looked like it was going to be a, a good year for it. It budded out, had little leaves on it, and it never advanced from that, and it looks completely dead now. Does that get a disease, or do you think that's a critter, or I just left it. I'm going to probably take it out next spring because it looks completely dead. That is that is sad. It's sad when any time that a, you lose a really beloved plant. Um, it could be that the uh, euonymus has been girdled. Uh, you want to check down at the bottom of the base of the plant. Uh, it, it, rabbits love euonymus. And they will get in there and they will chew that bark off. And what happens is as they chew, they break or interrupt the flow of nutrients, the, the vascular system of the plant, getting, you know, stuff from, you know, so, uh, nutrients and water from the roots up into the rest of the plant and then photosynthates from the leaves down to the rest of the, down into the roots. And that could be what happened to your plant. Um, the, the interesting thing, and we mentioned this earlier, is that the euonymus, uh, when euonymus is actually on our uh, noxious weed list now under specially regulated because it's been found to be seeding into naturalized areas. So taking it out gives you an opportunity to put in other plants. One that I would recommend is a glossy black chokeberry. So this is a native plant. There are some cultivars from our native plant, which are terrific. It produces beautiful white flowers in the spring. It has berries that uh, persist through the winter that are good for wildlife. And it also has beautiful red fall color. It's a different kind of shrub, but it's a really good alternative to a euonymus. All right. Julie, we need to take a quick break here. We have a more Smart Garden show to come. Julie Weisenhorn uh, joining us from the University of Minnesota. We uh, have uh, more questions to get answered here. Lots of text messages we'll grab when we come back. Here on News Talk 830 WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to our Smart Garden Show. Denny Long here with Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. And Julie, a lot of textures. Let's see how many we can feel before we let you go today. Uh, here's one. It says, are arborvitae needles good or bad for the lawn? Well, arborvitae have these kind of fan-like needles, needle-like <laughs> branches. Not sure what to ever describe them. I need to go back to my taxonomy. But um, but they are... They're they're okay. They're not really good for a lawn. Um, if you drop them, if you've done some shearing and you drop them on your grass, they're going to shade out the grass. So I would rake them up. Uh, if they're little tiny needles, little tiny, you know, they do have, drop some brown needles. I mean, that's a natural occurrence. They should be okay. You just don't want them to be really dense on your lawn. You want them to just, you know, you want to be able to see the grass. Sure. You know, from time to time, you and your colleagues mention the Yard and Garden News on the website. Tell folks who are maybe unfamiliar what's that all about. Yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Uh, on our website, the very first thing, just above the podcast of Smart Garden, uh, is our Yard and Garden News link. So this comes out twice a month. 
and it's written by people like myself, my team, uh, the Hort team, and uh, we put in current information. And there's an article that I wrote this week that might be really helpful to people who are thinking, okay, I've got this great weekend. What is it that I need to do this fall? One of them is to plant bulbs. Uh, this is still a good time. You can still plant your spring blooming bulbs. You can mow your lawn one last time if you haven't already. And remember to drop your mower to about two inches. Uh, that will discourage snow mold from growing on your lawn next year. You want to check over houseplants. If you're like me and your houseplants were outside uh, this year, this would be a good time to really take a good close look at them. I have a terrible mealy bug problem on one of my plants. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it's in the garbage. So, <laughs> um, And then protecting plants, putting up fencing. We had a, somebody who's talking about the euonymus that wasn't doing so well this year, could have been girdled by rabbits. This is a great time to put up fencing around those plants. And then last but not least, cleaning up your tools and cleaning up your, uh, your garage and putting things away and getting them ready for next year, oiling your blades, sharpening them, uh, disinfecting things. There, this is a good time to do it now. And it's a nice day for the next two days, so you can do it outside. Oh, that's a good idea. What, what do you use to, uh, to, uh, to uh, disinfect it, so to speak? Uh, well, what we usually recommend is we have a number of different things. One of them is uh, actually a, um, a Lysol all-purpose cleaner. That is a good uh, a good cleaner for things like to eliminate bacteria and fungi and viruses mm-hmm. from tools. And then also we have bleach, a, a bleach solution. And then last but not least, uh, some rubbing alcohol also works too. All right. Good and idea. Good, good, like you, good information on the on the uh, web page about that. And like you like said, a great uh, a great uh, weekend to do that. You can do it outside. Really good. Perfect. A, t- a listener wants to know how do I winter diplodenia indoors? Cut the plant back? Uh, take cuttings? Any other ideas? Oh boy. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. That one. I would. I am kind of stumped on that one. Um, I think bring it indoors and I would probably trim it back. Um, and so that it's a little bit more manageable in your, in your house and then, uh, clean up the surface of the soil. That's really important when you bring plants in to overwinter them, clean up the surface of the soil, pick up leaves and dead flowers and any, you know, maple seeds that have dropped into your pots. clean the pot up too. A lot of times we'll get, uh, uh, critters that like mealybugs and other, you know, spiders that, take up residence on the bottom of your pot or under the edges of the pot. You could repot it at this point. Uh, It might be that it's outgrown its pot. These are all good things to do uh, for any house plant. So, uh, but I think I would probably trim that one back. Okay. Texter wants to know, should I still be watering perennials if their leaves and stems have dried up? No, not at this point. Um, It's really the trees and shrubs that we want to be watering and especially our evergreens. The evergreens have to keep their needles through the winter, so they need moisture to do that. And uh, so really trees and shrubs, but our perennials, they're kind of going, uh, you know, going dormant quickly. And uh, now this coming week, we're supposed to get a little bit of moisture, so they should be fine. Okay. Well, here's a good one. My granddaughter started a small garden this year, Texter says. Should she map out what was grown where, and should she rotate the crops differently for next year? Oh my gosh, that is a great grandparent. Holy cow. Yes, absolutely do that. Keeping records of your gardens, especially annuals is, uh, and perennials too, I'll say that too, 
But that's really important to do, especially when it comes to rotation. And I want to send your granddaughter to our uh, to our soil section and our vegetable garden section and uh, take a look at some of the information. There's information on rotating. You actually rotate by family of plants. Uh, for example, we have the nightshade family. That's the tomatoes, potatoes, peppers, eggplant, tomatillos, and you want to rotate those. You don't want to be growing the same family in the same location year after year because that's how pathogens grow and you know, diseases and bacteria grow in the soil. You keep planting the same host plant uh, there for those uh, pathogens. So yes, rotating, absolutely. And take a look at the vegetable section. Okay, great. A uh, listener says, my perennial flower bed needs about two inches of soil. Should I be putting that soil on this fall or wait till spring? I think you could do either. Um, if you have the gumption to do it this fall, yeah, you could add that now, and it would actually settle over the winter, and then you could see where you maybe missed a few spots. Uh, or you could do it in the spring, so either one. We had this at the top of the show, and I, somebody may have joined us late. Uh, and we've got a few questions again about dormant seeding. When do you think should be done this week? And you're saying it's still too warm, possibly. What uh, what would you recommend to wait until what a week or two? Yeah, I would just wait till about mid November and do that because that's just next week. So that would be fine. You can take a look at our uh, dormant seeding webpage too to give you some tips on how to do it correctly. Texas says, if I've always bordered my garden with tulips, which I'm transplanting, I plant alyssum around them, which covers the area as the tulips die off. If I plant them all in one area, what can I plant among them as they start to fade and dry up? Uh, well, I think the alyssum is a great idea. That's a very prolific, uh, nice border plant for as an annual. Um, you can, you know, you can interplant uh, tulips. Uh, you can actually plant tulips into like a low, like a ground cover type of, uh, I have a juga in my backyard and I interplant bulbs into that. Uh, and it kind of acts like the lissom does, kind of covers it up as the plants are dying back. Um, you could also plant, um, uh, you could plant those, those uh, bulbs into a, like a ground cover of evergreen. If you have a low growing juniper, you know, that like grows about, I don't know, four or five inches tall. You could interplant them into that, too. Um, boy, yeah, any kind of a ground cover, any kind of a low-growing plant would be terrific. Okay. Texter says, can I plant a Miss Kim lilac dwarf tree in the same spot where one had died? Yes, you can. Yep, that would be fine. Okay. We've got a couple of minutes to go here. Let's see okay. how many we can field. I recently planted a large native butterfly bee garden. Can... I cut them down each year as the plants are drooping into the existing yard. I would I would trim up those plants that are drooping. Now, one of the interesting things about uh, pollinator gardens is that we want to leave stems for stem nesting bees. And so, uh, so don't cut them down. You can cut them down to about maybe eight inches or so, five to eight inches, and, and leave different heights of those plants. You could do some at lower, some at higher. You don't have to cut them all. Leave them all standing, but leave some of the stems standing for those stem nesting bees. And uh, and yes, if they are leaning over into your lawn, then you would want to take prioritize those plants first. Okay, a quick one here. Can I overwinter coral bells in the house? They've been in a container all summer. Oh boy, um, you can try. 
it, they are a uh, they're perennial, and you can try doing that. I have never done that before, um, but uh, if you have a sunny window and they're in a well-drained soil pot, and they're not a huge plant, that's the other thing. If they're a smaller uh, coral bells, I think that would be easier. You can try doing that, um, it's, or you can try planting them this weekend. Okay. So, um, but you can choose which way to go. They're both going to be kind of an experiment. Less than a minute to go here, Julie. Maybe let's get that the website and, and mentioned again. Yeah, absolutely. It's extension.umn.edu. Uh, you can read the Yard and Garden News, current information from Extension Educators, and you can listen to podcasts of Smart Garden uh, on WCCO Radio on that webpage, too. Outstanding. Julie, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. And uh, Thank you. we'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the weekend. Thank you. Hey, you too. Julie Weisenhorn from the University of Minnesota. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.